Right. So I think a lot about generalism and uh, specialism. And uh, one of the thoughts that has recently come to mind is this like idea that maybe there's some phase shift at the end of generalism that that is like fundamentally inaccessible to people who are too specialists. Now, how would you even quantify that? Like, where do I even get this hunch from? Well, anyway. I get this hunch in part from the fact that when I just, like, listen to pieces of content that are really, really different from my, like, subject matter expertise, when I listen to that content, I feel this very, very, very strong sense of familiarity. Like, oh, that completely checks out. Like, there are, like... It's as if there are underlying forces governing the actual, like, it's as if there's underlying forces governing the actual reality we live in, and each of these specialist disciplines only gets a singular slice from that, like, from that, like, volume of, of the, the fundamental forces, like, who knows, like, what if we used the language of physics to describe language? And what if we use the language of physics to describe economics? I know that, that part already, like, kind of happens, right? But what if we, like, describe everything as a kind of a linear combination of these, like, fundamental forces and how they evolve through time. So, yeah, I'm still thinking about this. I'm still thinking about specialism and generalism because under, you know, the current economic mode, we are very much incentivized to be specialized, specialized. Like, um, I think it's fairly explicit. Um, the, the kind of like brand branding or marketing or whatever you want to call it of people who say like, Hey, if you want to get like, if you want to get a lot of value out of your labor, you should do one thing really well. And then you should trade that thing in a marketplace of people who have also done that specialization so you have like a an ensemble of specialists okay good but who's it and okay i can like elaborate on that a lot right I can elaborate on it in that, like, I can add more supporting evidence. But I think anyone who's lived in, you know, this current economic mode can definitely tell you that, like, hey, you are certainly, most certainly incentivized to be a specialist. I mean, look at how specific, like, education gets. Like, 
your education starts general and then gets more and more and more and more specific. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Like, is that a fundamental law of nature? Or is that something we kind of like invented along the way as the as a species, as the like interacting forces of markets and physics, like the physics of markets and the physics of education interacted because for a lot of people, education is driven by like what labor they want to target that exists in the marketplace. Right. So we can definitely easily draw that connection between how education evolves and how the market it evolves so like education is undeniably inextricably linked with the market and so i don't think i have to spend too much more time explaining that we are incentivized to be specialists but the reason i wonder about like that phase shift the reason i wonder about it is I wonder, I wonder about it because at the lower end of the scale, like when you're not working in an enormous megacorp, when you're not working in like a huge company, you're kind of forced to specialize. Like when you're an individual, like uh, selling your labor as an individual, like if you're a consultant, you have to be kind of like this generalist, right? In some in some regards, in that like you have to do labor that otherwise you wouldn't have to do. Um, when it comes to like working at a big company, and the part specifically that I'm wondering about is. This, the part specifically that I'm wondering about is the part where you're like it, it's not just the extra different types of labor that you do no it's not just that that's not the generalism that I think is really essential to bring to light here but it is sure a form of generalism the, the part that I wonder about is like just the understanding part like understanding how the world works like sometimes on the weekends i watch like uh like physics videos on youtube like uh these like three blue one brown style videos uh where i just learn some more physics and i'm just like oh, wow this is incredible i i i can see i can see this like really interesting like property emerging in my in my like understanding of how teams interact in software engineering or like how we respond as a company to like changes in the market um and changes in what consumers expect from us as a platform what i just like can't stop thinking about 
until I like figure out, I don't know, I'll, I'll think about this even more and more and more as time goes on. But, but precisely the thing I'm thinking about is like, what part, like how much do I not understand about the world that would be fairly easy to understand had I been a little bit more of a generalist personally? And how much of this like knowledge, because I recognize that I'm doing some something that the market doesn't explicitly incentivize here. I recognize that I'm watching physics videos in my free time for fun. Like I recognize the market doesn't really like there's no clear path that the market instructs that I I do this. Um and so I have really no incentive to do it. And so it's clear to me that maybe not a lot of people are doing it and if that's the case then what are we all missing because i was missing something like that wave of like that euphoric sense of like that eureka moment of understanding something and then seeing immediately like your brain just starts running with that like that set of 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 things in your life that you thought were unexplainable suddenly having really simple beautiful explanations how much of that are we missing because of the you know link between education and the 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 market economy so that's what i'm wondering today I'm just thinking about it, like, incentive structures, physics, and society, and the behavior of companies and markets, like, I think you can describe a lot of those things by, like, systemic means. Like, what do you, like, this is completely discontinuous as a thought but what if for example we said hey 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 system system design you're you're making a system like as an engineer generally you have like a, a handful of approaches one of those approaches is you just like say hey uh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna like create a new system um, or, I, well, to be precise, I'm going to create a change in the system that incorporates a new component and I'm going to decide where to put that component and how it should connect with the existing system. And in so doing, I'm going to weigh like the cost of a lot of the changes and I'm going to find the one with the minimal, minimal cost. Right? So in this mindset, you have like this, like local transformation. And like, I find that it's like really, really rare to see, uh, someone saying, Hey, I'm going to add this like change. And also I'm going to refactor a lot to get to this change. And I think it's similarly rare for someone to say like, Hey, I would like to improve our code quality. And it's going to just take a lot of refactoring and we won't make any money from it. I think, I think those things are, are rare, 
But now, now, like to tie it back to physics, now I can't help but wonder, wait a sec, wait a sec. What if there is physics governing our behavior here? Well, almost certainly there is. But what if, what if, like, we could, what if we could, like, model the entire software as a physical system and we can identify points where, hey, the circumstances really, really justify us doing this otherwise unjustifiable set of code changes. Like, is there a connection between physics, the study? And here, when I'm saying physics, all this time I've been saying physics, uh, I haven't really defined my usage of the word physics. What I would define it as is like, um, studying the behavior of systems over time as governed by fundamental laws. So that's the small definition of physics that I'm using here. Um, and like, what if there's a decomposition of software architecture that frames everything as like, you know, mass, like something has mass and something has inertia and, you know, systems that are hard to change could be said to have like high inertia. And what if there's a way of quantifying the amount of inertia in a system by looking at the code? Like we, we, we look at the code and we decide, oh, how hard will this be to change? How, or, or more, more interestingly, how likely an actual engineer is going to be to propose a change. And so that's where it turns a little bit from like a rigid, well, maybe it was never that rigid, but it turns certainly from like a very precise thing into like a, 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 a case where you're dealing with a lot more interaction because now you're dealing with like the small society of software engineers in, in a company. So this is what I've been thinking about. Um, I don't think I have any really big insights to share. Um, but yeah, I just, I just get help but wonder if there is a connection there that we can make and what the implications of such a connection can be. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you have a good one. Take care.